pray this morning. We pray that you would build your kingdom here. Lord, you are still at work. You're still active in the lives of all your people, of this entire society, in this entire culture, in this entire world. And it's those moments where we see glimpses of your work, where we get excited, where we are reminded that you are caring and merciful and faithful. And the wonder of your work is something that amazes us each and every day. So, Lord, I pray today that uh, for each and every one that is participating as part of the community this morning, I pray that you would bless them. I, I pray that you would reach into their hearts today in a very dynamic way and touch them. Lord, I pray that you would remind them of your great love and care for them, that you would remind them that, Lord, that this is not a surprise to you. The situation, the circumstances that we are in is not a surprise to you. But, Lord, I pray today, I pray in a very special way that you would bless your people today in a way that would remind them very, very, uh, in, in very real ways that you are still active in their lives, that you've not forgotten them, you've not forsaken them, that you are blessing them this day, that you are giving them strength, that your presence is there among us, and that you are just being in it, God in their lives. And we thank you that you are able, that you are willing, that you are faithful, and that you are here among us, walking with us in this time, in this day, in this age. And we thank you for that great blessing. And we pray it in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. Well, welcome to, uh, um, you know, the, the second part of our series. We're talking about spiritual tooltips, and we're talking about uh, healthy spirituality uh, in unhealthy times, you know. Um, we're going to talk about some really simple things today, at least what we, th we think are simple things, you know. We asked at the beginning of May to, for prayer and fasting, and that's exactly what we're talking about today. We're talking about prayer and we're talking about fasting. Um, some of you may be very kind of familiar with those two. And, and you know, I don't, I don't mean to be cavalier when I talk about pray, prayer. Because, you know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I thought prayer was just this natural expression, this natural outworking. But I remember it, it becoming a, 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 a big question mark for me, you know, a lot of questions that surrounded prayer. And I remember very early on in, in my experience as a believer, I was moving out of kind of like the life I was living and was feeling this call to ministry. And the life I was living obviously was very different than I had just been kind of radically saved. Um, I, I now am following Jesus. You know, the life that was previous was, was kind of like dead to me. And I remember my very first conference that I went to, and um, I was sitting, you know, I, I think it was the afternoon, and we're sitting in, in this huge auditorium with all these people. And I remember a, a number of gentlemen came up to the front and said, uh, hey, we want to invite you to a prayer meeting. And I thought, hey, you know, that's, that's really cool. Um, that, that's, that's something I'd like to learn more about. And I remember, I remember them saying, yeah, we're going to meet tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock in the morning. And, and at that point, I kind of chuckled because I thought they were joking. And I kind of looked around the room and, and noticed that everybody was kind of serious. And I go, oh, 
they, they really mean to meet at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> now, at that time in my life, 7 o'clock in the morning was just this, you know, crazy impossibility because, you know, it's not just getting there at 7 o'clock. It's getting up at 6 o'clock so you can get showered <laughs> and, and cleaned up and have breakfast and all that kind of stuff. And to me, in the lifestyle that I was used to at the time, that was just an a thought that was beyond me at the time. And I'm going, wow, you know? So for the longest time, I had this real difficulty or this misconception about prayer. And uh, I, think, I think many of us kind of assume a number of things about it. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to look at that. We're going to talk about fasting too because often the two are connected, at least in Scripture, even though you can keep them separate. They don't always have to do them together. It's not always together in Scripture, but many, many times in Scripture it's talking about prayer and fasting. And before I get into content, before we, we read a passage this morning, I want to at least warn you that this is going to be another big data dump. There's going to be a lot of material for those that are, you know, trying to write everything down. I just want to encourage you, you know, if you miss a few points or, or whatever, you can always go to the website and, um, and, and get the notes uh, of, of the PowerPoint there. And um, one of the things that we, we've only done uh, recently, you, you know, you heard about the 15 minutes of chat time before an online service, 15 minutes afterwards. We're going to, uh, in the 15 minutes afterwards, also run the PowerPoint um, for you to see again if you, if you missed it during the service. So don't, don't fear, don't fret, but, uh, you know, you can get the notes uh, on the website and, and stuff like that. All right, so uh, we're talking about prayer and fasting. And I want to take us to two passages that Jesus himself. Now, you know, before I get into those two passages, remember, Jesus is talking about spiritual disciplines that are part of the normal, everyday life of the Jewish people. Um, and when he's talking to his disciples, when he's talking to the people, Jesus, you know, here's, here's a, you know, a culture that prays at least three times a day. Here's a culture that naturally fasts when they pray. Like the, the expression of worship or, or the exercise of worship is a natural part of their day-to-day lives. And Jesus comes here. You know, in, in this passage in Matthew that we're looking at, and he talks about prayer, and he talks about fasting, and he sort of realigns the disciples and the people who are listening at the time about this thing called prayer and fasting. So let me read these two passages that come out of um, Matthew 6 and 7 and 16 and 18. Now, I separated these two passages because Jesus has, you know, kind of like a long sermon in this, in this particular portion, but I've lifted out the portion on prayer and the portion on fasting, and I want you to, you know, hear what Jesus has to say. And remember, this is a culture that does this on a regular daily basis. So Jesus says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you, before you even ask Him. So that's on prayer, okay? That's the that's component of prayer. Listen to um, the second part where He talks about fasting. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. 
For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth that this is, only a, this is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, you know, like don't look disheveled, you know, and all that kind of stuff, then you, no one will notice that you are fasting except your father. And again, look at, look at the way he ends it. Same as with the prayer. And then your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. So, you know, there's this kind of reward element, but God knows what you're going to be asking. God knows that you're fasting, all of those, you know. So that's going to raise some, some questions. But I want to give you a definition of both prayer and of fasting, okay? So let me give you those definitions first before we sort of unpack all of these kinds of statements. Prayer is God-focused communication and attention. And that this is really important. This is God-focused attention and communication. This is, um, you know, this is kind of my definition. I didn't get this anywhere else. This is my definition. In, in the years that I've taught spiritual disciplines to students at Heritage and in other courses that, that I've taught. Um, this is really important. Now, if you know anything about what's going on in our culture, you cannot do, for instance, anything, any kind of uh, health regimen or, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, even, even a, a business course nowadays, they're encouraging people to meditate and to fast and, and, and short-term fasting or intermittent fasting. That's a big, big deal today is to meditate and do intermittent fasting. Now, those are, those are regimens that are becoming part of, you know, the expectations if you're trying to do any kind of self-improvement in our culture. Uh, it's big in Silicon Valley. It's, it's a big part of the business push and, and to betterment in your, in your, your social life, in your, in your personal life, in your business life. Those are, you know, two vital elements. If, if you listen to any, uh, you know, personal... Uh, um, you know, benefit gurus or people who trying to better your life or anything like that. That's two of the big categories that they're telling you um, to adopt in your life. This meditation and, um, you know, intermittent fasting. The thing is, the intermittent fasting part is the health one, okay? That's, that's okay. But the meditation one, meditate on what? That's why this definition is the way it is. Because, it's, it, you know, prayer is a, is a focused activity. It's focusing on God. It's paying attention and communicating with God. And also, the implication here is not a one-sided conversation. Okay? It's communing with God and listening to God. Prayer is vitally just as important on the listening side of it as it is on the asking side of it. Okay? Um, so meditation, the way it's promoted culturally, doesn't really have any kind of focus. It's just to calm you. It's just to, you know, to bring you to center or any of those kinds of terminologies that are used. But they really you know, don't have a long-term benefit. Like why not ask God you know, or talk to God or commune with God or listen to what God is doing in your life? That is far more productive than just kind of like blanking out. Because in many ways, now I know, I know there's some you know, self-help gurus who would really object to the fact of blanking out. But it's really unfocused 
and un, un, unfiltered, like un, you know, unhelpful kind of blanking out. And sure, it may calm you, it may, you know, but what is, what is more beneficial to you? Be calmed by hearing the voice of God in your life, that he's there, he's present, that whatever you're struggling through, God is listening, God is hearing. You can convey those things, that you're transferring all your cares and anxieties to God in a way that is, that, that is speaking in God's, God's heart and he's responding to you. That is far more productive as prayer. And that's what Jesus was kind of uh, promoting in the way that he gave it. Um, now, fasting is, is a little interesting too because fasting is... A believer's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Now, we're going to talk about this because, again, I talked about intermittent fasting, that that's a big deal. But the reality is, is, you know, in, in fasting, fasting was something done specifically to help you focus on something spiritual, on something about God, on, on, on living your life and, and putting away all, all, the, all the things in your life and, and allowing those things not to impede in your life. And you focused on your relationship with God. And primarily in the Bible, it's all about, its, it's majority is on food. And, and let me talk about, let me, let me give you at least biblical passages on fasting, Okay. Um, just to talk about that piece right now. Because we asked you in May to pray and fast. And I think for many of you, the praying part was probably easier to assimilate, but the fasting part was really difficult. So here are some points out of, out of Scripture uh, about fasting. Number one is that Jesus expected us to fast. Um, you know, and he fasted too. Notice in the passage, Jesus doesn't say if you fast, but it says when you fast. That was the total expectation um, from Jesus, is that when you fast, this is how you do it. And don't make a big show about it. Don't be hypocritical. Don't kind of say, tell everybody, uh, look what I'm, I'm suffering for God. Okay, have you ever heard anybody say that? You know, I'm suffering for God. But that's not what fast, you know, fasting is. Secondly of all, right? Fasting is not a quick fix or a guarantee. In fact, there are a number of times where God did not answer the prayer. In, in, in scripture, even when people prayed and fasted. The expectation is to pray and fast. But it doesn't mean that God is going to you know, answer the prayer every time. Okay? Um, so it's not a quick fix or a guarantee. As the same is, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, at, you know, the same with prayer. There's a real tension when it comes to prayer, and we'll, we'll talk about that as, that as, as well. But there is an expectation that we pray and fast together. All right? Here's the third thing. Instructions on fasting. We just talked to you about the instructions on fasting. You can get it in Isaiah. You can get it in Luke. But we looked at this passage out of Matthew. And, and Jesus says, you know, carry on basically as normal. Don't make a big show of it, you know. Um, it's just, it, it, there's just something in Jesus' communication to his disciples about being hypocritical. He said to be real but not be hypocritical. Demonstrate your faithfulness in following through with what you, what you say about worship in a way that points to God, it points to your worship of Jesus, not point to yourself and what you're suffering for your faith type thing. Okay? 
Because that's, that's what ends up happening. Because people see you and they say, oh, he's suffering. Oh, he's doing it for the cause. And, and, and in many ways, it makes God look like a kind of torture. God makes you do this, right? And you're suffering through this and you're not eating. Like that's, that's I've heard that in, in, in the past. That's why I make, say those examples. Because I've, I've heard people make those kinds of accusations. But that's not you know, what, what Jesus is alluding to. So there's instructions on fasting. Number, you know, and the next, next point is, you know, corporate fasting. Do you realize that, you know, it was totally legitimate to ask for the entire church to pray or as many people as possible? Because there are times in the Bible where there's critical things happening in the world. And, and you know, we don't find it unnatural, by the way, to, to, you know, go online to, you know, there's a number of organizations that are asking for worldwide prayer, you know, over this pandemic, for instance. You know, and it would just be just as legitimate to say we should all pray and fast on a particular day. Okay? Now, we, you know, there isn't real instructions in terms of how long to fast for, but we have, you know, Jesus fasting 40 days. 40 nights, you know, um, that's, a, that's a long fast. You know, you can fast just for an evening if you wanted to. Just for, you know, I'm, I'm going to forego having dinner tonight, and I'm just going to dedicate this whole evening to prayer. That's totally legitimate to do that. You might want to, you know, go for a couple of days or a few days or something. Drink lots of water. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, things about did you know that's how we got the word breakfast? It's breaking a fast. That's how we got the word breakfast because it was such a natural part of, of the culture. Um, so corporate fasting is, is legitimate. Here's, here's the, the next one. Uh, there are other forms of fasting. Okay, Over the, over the years, the, the church started adopting other forms of fast. And, and one of them that they actually took out of Scripture um, is in 1 Corinthians 7.5 where Paul alludes to, you know, a couple, you know, sexually, you know, sexual abstinence as, as a form of fasting. So they could pray and fast as well, you know, you know separate yourselves. And the, the principle there was that over time, the church started saying, if, if there's things that really, you know, um, are, are helpful or you love doing or are kind of, you know, in, in a way that kind of imply, have these become kind of a mini idol in your life? Could you set that aside for a period of time? And if you set that aside, the thing that you love, you know, and, and, and set it aside as a thing that you're sacrificing to the Lord and fast and dedicate to prayer, that's, that's how the church over time developed fasting different types of things. That's why when we gave a, a, you a chart earlier, we said you could fast from other things, but things that really you care about, things that you really love, things that really you know, um, help you in your life or, or help you manage your life. And they become kind of like mini idols in your life. And can you set those aside for a while? And just dedicate and not have those things sort of become, you, you know, um, uh, something that kind of doesn't give you clear thought. You're kind of thinking of those things, but just set them aside so you can pray and you can fast without it, without, you know, it, um, with full focus. Can we say it that way? Um, and here's, here's the last thing. Um, even though it has 
health benefits, that's not its primary purpose. Much of what you're going to, you know, it, it, there's, there's something about fasting. Uh, it releases toxins, the toxins in your body. It helps your, you know, organs kind of re- revitalize and, 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 you know, reawaken. And uh, it, it flushes your system out. It does all kinds. There are some serious health benefits to fasting. But that's not its primary purpose. Its primary purpose is to help you focus on God you know, uh, strengthen your prayer life, you know. And one of the things, like I can tell you, for the, from the years of, of, of teaching spiritual disciplines to, to young students at Heritage, one of the things, because I, I make them fast as part of the Lent exercise that we have in the course, and one of the big surprises for, for you know, virtually every student that I talk to is the fasting component. And what they're surprised about is how fasting allows them to focus They've really been surprised. They thought, I, I, you know, after a while, sure, I'm hungry. Sure, I can feel the pangs of hunger. But once those subside, it's like there's a clarity there that I didn't really have before. And it allows me to pray. And it's just one of these really interesting things that God knows about our bodies, our metabolisms, what we need, how it helps us to filter things out. But it's, it's for spiritual benefit, first and foremost. And that's really important, okay? So you can decide, you know, what is healthy for you, what is, what is you know, good for you, what you're willing to tolerate over time. But remember, also with fasting, you drink lots of water, okay? That's, that's part of what helps sustain you over the period of time. And again, if there's any health concerns, you know, you need to consult a doctor before doing any kind of a fast over a long period of time, okay? Um, so that's, that's fasting. So can we, can we now shift gears and go to prayer and talk about prayer? And, you know, um, praying, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about my personal journey with prayer and all the tensions that arose out of prayer and out of these passages, too, that, that maybe you're sitting there wondering, you know, like, yeah, how are you going to deal with some of the things that Jesus says? But let's, let's talk about them. Uh, here are some of the difficulties with praying, you know. Um, ask with God's purposes in mind, okay? Well, actually, I think, do we lose the whole screen? Um, did I forget? Yeah, I think I forgot screen, okay? Um, can I talk about just some of the tensions of praying, all right? Uh, that went out of that pas- passage. Uh, why pray? I, I get this all the time. Why even pray? If God knows what what we want before we, you know, what we're asking for before we even ask. Why, why do we even bother prayer and praying, right? Um, the reality is, is that tells us right away that we kind of have a wrong conception of what prayer is all about. Prayer is not simply asking God for, for stuff. It is, it is a relationship-building mechanism uh, with you and God. It's relational first and foremost. That is why Jesus is driving to that point. God wants to hear your heart. God wants to hear what's important to you. God wants to hear um, what it is that's motivating for you today. God wants to hear what you're thankful for. God wants to hear what's, what's, what's causing you grief. God wants to hear you know, the innermost desires of your heart, not just because he doesn't know those things. He wants to hear you in your communication with him, have this authentic relationship. Because when you share those things, it is an authentic relationship. It's not, it's not contrived. It's not, it's not fake. It's not like you're coming to God because you just need something from him. It's saying, God, I need you in a way that just simply giving me things isn't going to do it. 
I need you because you are God. And I am not in control of all my, my circumstances. I'm not in control of the situation. I'm not, you know, I, I, you know, I have an inability to really know how to manage the, 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 you know, the things that are happening in my life. I, I, I can't fix this, these problems that are going on in my life. Or I can't, you know, I, I need intervention, you know. And, and I, Lord, I, I need your presence in my life. And I know that when you're there each and every day, I can manage things in a way that I can't on my own, okay? So, so why pray? You know, another, t- another tension is can he versus will he? Um, you know, if, if I was to ask every, every one of you, can God answer prayer? Every, you know, every one of you to, to a person would say, of course God can answer prayer. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all see- seeing. The, the tension with prayer comes, will he? Will he answer your prayer? And that's, and that's where the tension happens. And I think that's where some of the difficulty happens because you're very well aware that God can answer that prayer. And the tension comes with will he. And we don't understand the mind of God. We don't know why in some cases he'll answer in, in ways that are just unbelievable. And in other ways, there seems to be a silence or, or, or there's a holding pattern to that prayer. Okay? Because God essentially does answer every prayer. Okay, but it's maybe not the answer we're thinking about. What about being specific in our prayers? Like sometimes we're we're just too, you know, um, kind of general in our statements. But there's lots of passages that talk about you know specificity. Um, You know, I love I love the uh, the prayer in uh, beginning of Nehemiah when Nehemiah was going to go to the king. And, and ask him about going back and rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. And, and if you, you know that story. What's interesting to me is in the prayer, he just says, all, all he asks for in the prayer is open the ears of the king so, you know, he'll listen. He'll hear me. He didn't pray about, you know, all the other stuff about, and make sure he gets me an army and make sure he gets me a safe passage and make sure, you know, it's, it was very simple and it was very specific. Because Nehemiah knew that if he could get the king just to hear, God would work everything else out. That that was just a vital piece for him to be able to do. Okay? Um, Releasing the results to God. I think for many of us, we miss the fact that God has answered a prayer. Because when we pray to God, we already have an expectation of how we want God to answer. And that's, that's part of the difficulty. And we may miss how God has answered the prayer because we had expectations of how God was going to answer. And if he doesn't answer in the way that we expect it, we could potentially miss altogether how God answered the prayer. And, and that's, that's a really hard thing uh, when we pray, especially when it's very dear and near and dear to our hearts, is praying in such a way that we release the entire thing to God and say, God, now it's in your hands and we're waiting faithfully on how you're going to answer that, you know? Uh, pray without ceasing, you know? I've said many, many times, if you have the capacity to, you know, constantly worry, you have the capacity to constantly be praying, okay? That's just, that's just naturally, you can, you can turn those worries in, into prayers. And, you know, and I think part of what Paul was talking about there, too, is that if there's something that's on your heart, you know, continue. Like, be, you know, continue to pray those things. You know, don't be, don't be afraid to continually ask God for it. 
because that just tells God the importance of this thing to you. The spiritual warfare dimension. I, I don't know, you, you know, I, I think there's a reality in the sense that we don't know what gets unleashed in the spiritual world when we pray. I think it's vitally important to recognize that there is a spiritual dimension, that there's things happening. Uh, you know, Paul talked about us battling against, it wasn't against flesh and blood, it was against principles, powers, and you know, principalities in the unseen world. That that's really where the battle is. You look, look at Daniel 7 and Daniel 9. You know, there's spiritual warfare happening all around us. And I, you know, and I, and I think that's just something that we have to take into account. And, and, you know, and the last tension when it comes to prayer is, you know, the, the, the personal versus the kingdom. I think, I think the vast majorities of our, of our prayers are personal asks of God, and it's not that it's a bad thing, but I think in many ways uh, we have to learn to, to pray bigger prayers that, you know, has this first point, you know, uh, that I'm, that I'm going to kind of jump into the screen now, is we got to ask with God's purposes in mind. Our, you know, you know, I don't think this season that we're in was of any surprise to God. But what are, what should we be praying at this time? What 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 purposes? What plan does God have? What plan and purposes does God have for the church at this time? You know, maybe you know, as hard as this may sound, maybe this is a way of 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 God filtering the churches that are for Him. And the churches that are kind of against him, because all they are social clubs. You know, I'm not. That's a pretty harsh statement, I know. But what if that's one of the things that God is filtering through? That the churches that really celebrate Jesus, that really you know proclaim Jesus, and that and and the churches that are able to you know uh, continue proclaiming the gospel at a time like this, maybe that's part of what what God is is doing. You know. Um, that could be one, one thing. What is, what is God teaching us in the silence and, and in the quietness? And what is God teaching about us? If, if God isn't teaching you about what you believe you can control or what you, you, know, or what you, what you believe you can tolerate or what you can, you know, if you haven't realized the amount of personal freedom you've had and all these, imagine what that's teaching you about you. And, and that would be a shame if you lost any of those lessons at this period of time. You know, for whatever reason you believe this has come upon us. For whatever reason. But there's huge lessons to be learned right now. And I truly believe that God, God fully has a purpose and a plan for this time. I absolutely, you know, convinced of that. God never wastes anything. And now's not a time for God to waste, you know, any, any of what is happening. Okay? Secondly is uh, ask persistently. Okay? Um, what's, what's on your heart? You know, Jesus talks um, in, in, in further on passage of, of the ones that we looked at about, you know, ask persistently. That, that you know, um, God wants to, God's not going to be uh, insulted if you ask him again and again. Lord, this is really important. This is really important. You know, um, God may be answering not now. And then you may be praying five, ten years down the road. And, and suddenly in God's plan and providence that it suddenly becomes a reality. And, and that is why. I know, I know parents who have prayed, you know, entire lives for children or other siblings and that. And it's like literally months you know, near the end of the life, they finally give their life to Jesus. But they didn't give up. They didn't give up. 
part, part of our expression of loving someone else is the degree in which or, the, or the, our, 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 our willingness to give up early. Often, a part of, of what communicates love to another person is that you never gave up, that you never gave up. And that's, I think that's, that's a, a big thing that communicates love, is I never gave up on you. I always believed in you. I always, I always prayed to the Lord that God would change your heart. And I think that's part of loving people, is to never give up on them, especially in prayer. Okay? Ask big. Ask big. This was, you know, personally for me, this was a biggie. Okay? Um, no pun intended, but, but I was not the type of person to ask God for big things. I, I really wasn't. And it wasn't until, you know, I got around some people who were big prayers, big prayers. And, you know, I watched how God worked in their lives. And, and there were things that happened that I just, oh, that was just awesome. But, you know, it, it took me a long time to be able to, God, I'm asking you for something big. I'm asking you for, you know, a change that, that really is earth-shattering. And, you know, and there's been a couple of moments in my life where there was no other way it could have happened uh, unless it was God doing something big in my life. And, and that was just an amazing feeling to have an answer to prayer like that when, when God was showing up and showing up in a big, big way, okay? And that's really cool when that happens. But don't be afraid to ask big things of, of God, okay? And ask without doubting, you know. A book of James talks about, you know, doubting and, and really believing in God. And the doubt doesn't mean that the prayer has to be answered exactly like you want it. That you can become, the doubting part is you can have confidence in how God is going to answer that. That's part of the doubting part. But if you're doubting that God's going to, God's going to, not even going to hear it, or God's not going to do anything with it, or anything like that, that's really what James is talking about in the other passages they're talking about. That you have a mind that says that I've given it to God, God is going to deal with it as God deals with it, and I'm going to be, you know, and that's the answer I'm going to get, however God deals with it. All right? That's, you know, it's everything before that that the doubting is, is talking about. And ask for things in detail. Again, you know, this goes to, to the persistency thing, but ask, thing, ask God in detail. You know, that's, that's the old joke. I, God, I want more money. You find a dime on the floor. God just answered that prayer. But no one's going to tell you that's what you were, th- you were thinking of. But technically, the prayer's answered. Right? There's something about being specific with your prayers. God, you know, this time of day, this person in my life, this feeling that I have, ask God to do something. And, you know, and sometimes God will do a work in you that will surprise you, will shock you, that it will awaken things in you that you never thought were, were there. And it's very, very important. And ask with pure motives. That's, that's the last thing. Ask, ask with pure motives. Um, it's vitally important to, to ask for pure motives. And when we talk about pure motives, we're talking about a prayer life that's aligned with God. A prayer life that intentionally is seeking, you know, God's purity, God's wisdom, God's faithfulness, God's, you know, um, you know view of other people, all of that kind of stuff. You know, we don't pray in precatory prayers saying, you know, God, I want you to hurt that person, right? You know, we, we pray with pure motives, Right? Not easy, humanly speaking. And that's one of the times where, you know, you know, when I'm having difficulties 
people and stuff like that. That's one of the, one of the times where I, where I pray, Lord, I have to give this to you. And you will work out the situation as, as you see fit. Because really, in my human frailness, in my human insecurities, in, in my human kind of difficulties, I can't manage this really well. And I need you to kind of give me a heart that, that I don't normally have under, under these circumstances because they're very difficult. I don't know if, if you've ever had that kind of thing. But those are kind of, um, you know, the, the, the big asks. Now, you know, in closing, in closing this morning, none of those things that we've just given you are all ask, okay? Here's what I want to leave you with. You can never ask God if you're not listening first. All of those have the presumption that you've been listening to God, that you've been studying. You know, we talked last week about reading Scripture, that you are seeking God's will, that you are seeking a life of of living faithfully with the Lord. And even though every one of those are ask, okay, obedience is really important to God. A relationship is really important to God. Listening to God and, and, you know, the things that are around you, even the people around you who are, you know, often the voice of God in your life, that those are the things and, and the circumstances of your life that really shape a prayer life that is dynamic, that is real, that really gives you the privilege to ask God. Otherwise, otherwise, without the relational component, you're going to be just like what Jesus said in Matthew. You're just going to be just like the Gentiles, babbling on and on, babbling on and on, repeating your words, repeating your words, and really thinking you're getting somewhere where actually you're not. Or you're doing fasting because it's more of a show for you than it is this personal, beautiful expression of your worship to God and wanting to focus your life on that relationship. And thereby, that is why you are fasting. I hope this helps, and I hope for those of you that have been praying and fasting, that it kind of encourages you to keep going, that the Lord sees what you're doing, and even in the passage with Matthew, that God will reward you if you're fasting and praying in a way that honors the Lord. And for many, for many the reward is simply a deeper walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how prayer can seem so simple, which it is, and yet the depth of its dynamics are really limitless. It's wonderful how Jesus, in his wonderful way, communicates the importance of the relationship over just the posturing. And it's in that relationship where our hearts become aligned with yours and our prayers really become vibrant, inspirational, and really this relational component between your children and you. Lord, thank you for the example that Jesus gives, especially in a culture and a time where prayer was just such a normal part of their lives, but had had gotten to a place 
where it had just become a ritual. So thank you, Lord, for all that you're teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen.